0: This is the Michael Bryan Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And this is a, a strange episode today because this is going to be where I answer your questions. So I've asked listeners to either join me live as a bit of a radio show or submit questions, and I shall answer them. If you're on live, which I know somebody is, you can actually ask your question and then I'll read off the questions one by one and answer them in the best way I know how. So to start with, see who has a question. So I think it's Alex.
1: I would like to know, well, I have two questions. The first one is How do you make your money? So what are your income streams? This has bothered me for quite some time. And um, obviously I know you have this uh, Facebook group where you do the coaching, but I don't really know anything else about you. Well, you've been a fitness trainer that I know, but uh, well, so how do you make your money? What are your income streams?
0: So right now there are a couple of things that are happening. So, alongside the the podcast, which includes my Inner Circle, which is a membership club for those that want additional accountability, they get access to my podcast guests, chance to ask questions. and I also organize a lot of offline things. So organizing a meetup in the UK this year. So there's little things like that, that the members get that, that nobody else does. So that's the... That's the main one. That's the sort of the thing that I spend the majority of my time on. Then I've written books and things as well. So that's a big part of what I I tend to spend my time on as well. So there's a lot of writing that goes along with that. Um, And, you know, in the future, everything from partnerships with brands and companies alongside the podcast that's all happening sort of at the end of this year into next year so it's took me a while to build that side to be able to do that with the show so we're about four years into the podcast which means it took a long time to build and I used to be a personal trainer so I had that while I was running the show initially and I do tennis coaching from time to time privately so I've got people that I actually coach tennis for privately and that's sort of side hustle-ish if you will has allowed me to create the podcast and build it to what it is today so it took a while to get to this point mm-hmm. but Safe to say that I don't plan on stopping the show, so I've had to find a way to, you know, build my life around it to a certain degree to be able to to do it all.
1: Cool. Okay. Thank you very much. And um, the second question is, um, how do you structure your workday? If you have like a, like a gen- generic structure, and um, what softwares do you use? When it comes
0: to structure. Uh, For those that have no idea, I actually have two health conditions. So a lot of my mornings are spent taking care of of that, taking care of my health side. So everything from medication to treatments to I have to be physically active. So I have to go to the gym almost every day trying to keep myself as active as I can. And that's what I would call non-negotiable to a certain degree, I have to do those things. And aside from meetings that are scheduled in, things that are set in stone, that's what I tend to schedule in first. And everything, including time to myself, is around those things. So time to myself is not necessarily the gym. If I bump into friends or I do a class, that still class does like work for me because it's important. So that's why I break my day up In that way, and I spend most afternoons and most evenings either on calls, doing admin, checking in with staff when I I hire staff. That all happens around those times, and everyone that uh, I'm in communication with, everyone that I talk to. They understand that, you know, they understand what my lifestyle is like. They understand that it's reasonably busy. I only have pockets of time when I'm busy, even just to check things. It's very difficult for me to to pull away from the gym or pull away from doing my treatments and things. That's just the way the way my life is. It's been that way Mm -hmm. for a long time now. So I've had to build like work or a business or a career. Around that, that's had to come first, and it's always been that way. That's why I've had such a hard time, like in air quotes, doing normal things, like just getting a job. It's hard. I haven't got the time, so yeah. it it's just something that started off. Like I've got no choice but to do these things. And then as I got older, I had more responsibilities. I wanted to live a particular way. I then had to figure out how to make enough money to do those things. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But that was secondary to that. So do I have a set structure? I do try to structure as best as I can. I try to plan ahead of time. I only have set days when I record episodes like this that allows me the freedom on the other days to do o- other things. Because it's almost like I feel freer when I'm more disciplined. So if I only record my podcast two days a week, that's what gives me the the freedom on the other days to do other things. Which when I say freedom, I don't mean I don't do any. I, only, I don't work two days a week. But it's, I've got other things to do. So the only way I can record my podcast and do everything else is to be disciplined. It's like, how many puzzle pieces can you fit in? Well, you need smaller pieces, you need designated spots for them to be able to fit more in. And that's why morning routines are important, because you can state, like you can stagger things you can plant a set hour block in the morning where you get as much done as you can that frees you up for the rest of the day you don't have to worry about what to do with your day or oh did I forget to do no I did it this morning it's fine it's done so that that's what it allows you to do it's not necessarily about I only work two days a week it's I've got the time to do everything else so that's that's why i tend to do things in that way
1: I Understand. It, in my case it's similar as you know i have autoimmune. so um for a while morning routine was super crucial for me but right now i'm i'm trying to do it a little bit differently because i didn't work out after like the first couple of years um one more question because that just uh, occurred to me but what would you how would you explain to people that I mean, I don't know exactly what it looks like if you'd ever get if you get really sick in, I know what it looks like in my case, but how do you explain to people that don't understand disability, specifically something you can't see, that you really need your couple of hours in the morning because we've, I've had this issue recently. with one of my interns and I don't know how else to explain to her to, to just give me that time because I really need it. You know how, how do you how do you do you know do you have any tips or any kind of inkling how to explain it to a person that's I don't know that just doesn't seem to get it what disability is or what yeah
0: <laughs> it is difficult very difficult especially when if I do everything right I'm above average. So if I do everything that I need to do, I don't have that feeling. That doesn't mean I never do, by the way, but that means if someone stops me from working out or I can't fit in all my medication at the right time, then we have the problem, then I have the conversation, then I say, look, I've got to do these things. I'm happy to do this, but if I don't get the chance to do what I need to do to function, then we're going to have problems. Then I'm going to have to talk to you about a day off, a week off, two weeks off when I'm in hospital because you wanted me to do something that took up too much of my time. I can't have, I can't then do other things a reason like, you know this is a reason why medications at set times Some medication I have to have strictly 12 to 14 hours in between taking them religiously every single morning every single night and if someone gets in the way and I've pushed it back an hour or two that short term doesn't do anything if it happens consistently then we have an issue So one of the things that I try to do, and I've been trying this since the beginning, because I knew it would happen. I knew if I'm bad, I lose two weeks. Mm. I knew if I'm doing okay, I might lose a day. Mm. I might, you know, I might have, look, having a slow day, I'll do the bare minimum, I need to outsource this, outsource that, I need the day. And I, I communicate that and I'm fortunate that they don't have to understand it. They don't have to understand the randomness of it. Like I can't plan when that day is going to be. Yeah, I
1: know
0: that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you get to a point where they don't have to get it. At the end of the day, it is my business still. Mm-hmm. So... The alternative is they end up doing more work to make up for the fact that I'm ill. And the reason why I got ill was because they tried to pull at the strings that you don't touch. Mm. So if it happens a couple of times, I just have to tell them. I don't have any other choice. What's the alternative? I don't work at all because someone's trying to pull at the the health string if you will too many times it's it's difficult it's something that i do my best to prevent rather than wait for the bricks to start falling but every now and again i question whether or not preventing it is creating a level of comfort that i don't actually need So can I push it more than I think I can? Who knows? Am I prepared to test it? Sometimes I don't have a choice. Getting ready for butt launches or events or traveling, which I'm doing in a few weeks. I may have to push the boat out a little bit. I may have to force the issue. I may have to burn the candle at both ends to be able to do that. And, Luckily, if I can plan far enough ahead, I can prepare for it. If it happens randomly, I can't and the bricks just have to fall and I just have to rebuild the house. Mm. Most of the time, they're okay with it and then I'm okay with it and then we get past it. And then the next day happens or next week happens and it doesn't matter anymore doesn't matter anymore you have a bad day you have a bad week most things that happen on the health front unless it's extreme and i mean like this entire conversation is mute when it's extreme so we just want to point that out it doesn't matter in six months you're sort of recouped from it you're picking up the pieces you're dealing with the consequences and then you start to build back up again and you start to progress and flourish and all those good things that we want to see it might you might not even be thinking about it six months from now it might be laughing about it oh do you remember when you had to you know like start laughing about it at the team meetings because your all thought it was a big deal until six months later it doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. So it's, it's tough. You've got to be prepared to tell them. You've got to be okay with it. You've got to be prepared for it. And that tends to be how I think about it. There's only so much you can do. And if you trust them enough, you would just tell them. If they were close enough to you, like you were friendly enough with them you could in theory just tell them and they would understand and it would all work quite seamlessly. So that's, that's how I think about it. That's how I would tend to, tend to go about it.
1: Thank you very much for that. So that those were all my questions, really.
0: All right. Awesome. I think it might be Jane. question is what are your next goals? So the the next goals for me are very, very different from what they were only maybe 12 months ago. And the reason being is a big part of it is I feel different. I feel a lot more comfortable. I feel a lot more self confident I suppose in that I sat down and I thought if things got a little bit crazy what would I want to be able to do if things got really really good for me what do I want to happen and a big part of it was this podcast. I would love to have my own show. I would love for this to be one of the only things that I did aside from like traveling to speak or being on other people's podcasts or writing more books or all that other stuff that tends to come along with, you know, having a bigger following, making a bigger impact, all those things. So that became bigger part i guess of what i wanted it became more i guess emotional i was more emotional about it because originally it was a high in the sky idea wasn't sure whether it was what i wanted didn't think i could even do it where things Are starting to shift for me. Things are starting to change. The podcast seems to be growing steadily. I'm really happy with who I'm able to help with the podcast. And I feel like I need to create a situation where I can do more with it. I want to create a situation where I can do it, I can really commit to it, and be able to live how i want to live at the same time so my goals are based around that my goals are based around what opportunities are there for the podcast how can i you know, financially sustain myself while running the show and create something that's a bit more meaningful so i'm in research mode right now i'm brainstorming a couple of things but my main main goal is to be able to focus solely on the podcast and then what comes off of the show. So the show is going to be the main element and everything's just going to come off that as a bit of a spider. So that's my plan. That's what I'm aiming for moving into next year. And I'm looking forward to it. and excited. And I hope that you'll be able to join me on that as well. We don't get anywhere on our own. We only go big and create what we want to create with help and with support. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. I can't wait. And I really, really want to do what I can for for you guys, for people here and people listening. And I... I just want to do it that's it's really sort of motivated me to to keep going so i want to really step into that okay so when i put the call out for questions i sent messages i wrote posts i sent emails a lot of people were saying that they wanted to be on the show but they couldn't make it but they did have questions still so I'm going to read out a couple of the questions. I'm going to read out the questions and then I'm going to give answers as well, all right? Someone asked me for book recommendations and podcast recommendations for people that want to look into emotional intelligence, right? So they want to manage their emotions better. And what I would say is podcasts are not necessarily the best way of getting into the emotional intelligence side if there's a podcast that does meditations a podcast of like stories and things that you can use that's okay what i would say is books are probably better because you can spend longer on it and go a bit deeper into the topic um whenever i'm asked Well, books that I recommend, I always recommend The Ward of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Now, the book talks about resistance. It talks about overcoming mental blocks when it comes to writing, but you can apply that to any area. So it talks about what resistance is, how it shows up, what the self-talk is, and goes deeply into the strategies that you can do about that. So I hope that helps. They're finding it hard to structure their time between personal and business tasks. What would you recommend to shift out and you know how would you shift in and shift out between personal and professional tasks? And I want to kind of say that you want to spend as little time as possible trying to get yourself into the right state that you need. What I mean by that is if you have to go from personal to business to family back to business back to per- it's too different and it's consistently changing all the time that alone is draining that alone is taking time away that you could be spending actually taking action where now as I said before you can't completely 100% predict it. As I said, I do two days of podcasts. So on those days, I'm in the content creation space. So if I have videos to do, I have you know interviews, people want to interview me, I want to create videos. I want to book calls in with clients or meetings with staff, all those things, they're my two big I'm on camera days. and I have a day in between to recover. And then it allows me to just do my admin tasks on one or two days a week as well. So rather than changing from task to task, the task it's completely different from doing a call with a client to a business meeting to go into the gym to it's. Your, your head's going to be batted with different things that it has to focus on where by batching things together it allows you to really focus on one topic of task if you will and then you do as much of that as you can before you then change over to the next thing i actually do half days personally so my mornings are certain tasks My afternoons are certain tasks, and then my evenings tend to either be winding down or doing things that happen on the day. If I wanted to start a podcast, what have you learned that would make it easier for me to start one? Okay, there's at least three things that I want to start with. The first thing is you want to be as clear as possible on who your podcast is for, what the podcast is about, why should they listen, and then how do you actually create the podcast? Because what people don't tend to think about is it's great having a podcast. It's great to put the episodes out. It's amazing getting the feedback. You've got to actually create it. You've got to do the graphics, the videos, the interviews. You've got to actually edit if you want to edit All of that happens behind the scenes that nobody sees until the episode comes out. So you've got to factor that in. You've got to factor that in as well. All right. So there's a lot that goes in to deciding that you want to start a podcast. And there's two big C's that you want to think about. The first one wants to be consistency. It has to be consistent. There's no point in doing three, all right? I'm over 200 episodes right now, and I had a YouTube show before my podcast that didn't go on very well because at the time, I didn't have enough people to fill the show. Now, I probably do, but I've already shifted over to podcasting. And then the second one is convenience, I know it sounds crazy, but when life gets in the way, the complicated stuff is the first thing to go. Make it convenient for you to record the show, to actually put the podcast into the world. Make that as convenient as possible. What I do now, I didn't do four years ago. I do more now because as it gets easier for you, as you get better at it, You add things in to, I guess, affirm to yourself that you're better at it. Everything from editing to, you know, I think the technical terms, autograms, where they take like audio snippets of the podcast. I didn't do any of that. I didn't even edit my podcast for the first year because I wanted it to be convenient. Because if it's convenient, it can be consistent. If it's inconvenient, it's harder to be consistent. So those two things work together to help you keep recording, keep putting out the content, all right? So that's the second thing. You need those two things in place. And the third thing is understand that 99.9% of running a podcast, nobody sees Editing, no one sees that. Graphics, no one sees the hours that you spend making sure you've got the right font or the pictures are in the right place or people understand the text. You may have to do all that. You may hire someone to do that, but it still happens that nobody sees it. Promotion of the podcast, people just assume that they're going to create it and that's it. No, you want to market your show. You've got to promote your show. You've got to find guests. The amount of hours I spend building relationships with people, sending the emails, doing the interviews, rescheduling, dealing with cancellations. No one sees that, but it still happens. and I'm somehow able to keep having an episode going out every single week. So from the outside looking in, it looks fantastic. It's a lot of work that nobody sees. So, they're the main things that I want you to understand when it comes to starting a podcast is it's probably going to be harder than you think it is. And you'll probably have to dive in, not just dip your toe in if you want to do it right. I see you're successful in maintaining your health habits. What kind of tips do you have to help others develop long-term success without falling off track permanently in their health journey? Very, very big question. A lot of moving parts with it. There is no one way, but there are a couple of principles that I tend to stick to as best as I can, and they tend to work for me. The first thing that I would say, the first principle that I would stick to is working hard doesn't have a set time. So I actually look... I actually had to take a break from the gym. When I was doing a lot of traveling, didn't have access to a gym, I tried to work out from home, didn't go very well. So I went through a phase where my exercise consisted of walking and hiking and then maybe like some body weight things thrown in whenever I had the time or the energy to do it. So when I went back to the gym, I was tired within 15 minutes. Then it gradually got to 20 minutes and it gradually got to, but I tried to make sure that I stuck to this principle of feel like you've done something. Don't go to the gym and don't break a sweat. What's the point in going? You don't go to put makeup on beforehand. It's not a social event. You're not going out for a few drinks with friends. You're going to the gym. It's not casual, right? If you want to improve yourself, doesn't matter what your starting point is, doesn't matter what level of fitness you're at. Again, I was tired. I felt like I'd worked hard within 15 minutes because I was unfit at the time. But I still did it and I stopped when it was difficult. That's what you want to do. And over time, the feeling doesn't change. You just end up doing more because you've improved. So that's the first thing. Feel like you're doing something every time you do it. Break a sweat, work hard, feel like you want like sore muscles, if that's what you're training, tired. That's the feeling you want to have. And I'm not saying, train till absolute failure to the point where you need a week off you don't want to waste all of your time like walking around like a crab because you trained your legs too hard so you've got to find that balance where you do just enough to feel like you've worked hard that's it that's all that you need do that every time you go to the gym do that every time you go out for a run and you will gradually get better and gradually get fitter all right so that's number one Number two, monitoring is one of the best things that you can do. Not pushing yourself, not stretching yourself, just seeing what you can do that day. I don't massively push myself, but when I go for a run, I find myself doing more than I did last week and I didn't have to do the best that I could. I didn't have to force it. Because you get better just by repetition. You get better just by being consistent. And you find yourself fitter. You find yourself losing weight. You find yourself achieving the goals that you want to achieve because our bodies are designed to adapt. That's what they're designed to do. So if you give yourself a reason to change, you will change. Okay, so that's what I would say to that. And the third thing the the only thing that I tend that I mention on this is you've got to make time for it. You've got to make it a priority. Time's important. You've got to set aside the time, create the space for things like working out, create the space for things like cooking, create the space to do those things. You're not going to find the time. You're not going to pluck the time out of the ether you've got to make it you've got to set up your week have a day where you organize things have a day where you set time aside to plan when you're going to work out plan when you're going to train you've got to you're not going to wake up one morning and go oh i might get the chance to work out today if you leave it to randomness you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it consistently. As I said before, convenience and consistency are very important. Same thing with health. If it's convenient, you're more likely to do it. If you're able to be consistent with it, you're more likely to keep doing it. So that's what I would say to that. I hope that answers your question. Next question on it. So, fourth question is What steps do you think are most crucial to take when you're just starting out on your self help journey? The most important thing to think about when it comes to that is you've got to understand that your journey is your journey, it's nobody else's. You can take what works that works for other people if it works for you great keep doing it if it doesn't work you're okay to not do it You're okay to stop doing something. You're okay to find your own way of doing things. My way of exercising isn't the same as yours. My way of consuming like self-help things is not going to be the same as yours. I don't like reading books as much anymore. I don't have the attention span for it. I used to read quite a lot and now I barely read at all. I've changed, I've adapted. Things have had to grow as I have and that's okay as well. So nothing's set in stone. Nothing's pre-written in the stars somewhere. You just got to do the best that you can with what you have as consistently as you can. That is ultimately what it is. If it's meditation, great. How can you be consistent with it? How can you make it easy for you to do it? As soon as it stops working, which there are reports of people starting to meditate, getting the benefits, and then stopping, that's okay. I don't judge people for that. You shouldn't judge yourself for that. It doesn't matter that much. Get the benefits, get the results. Everyone has a threshold of when they sit there and go, it's no longer worth the investment of the time or the energy or the money that I'm actually putting in. I'm going to stop it and try something else if you see it as a constant game and a constant experiment and a constant case of let's see how I can get the most out of the investment that I put in you will do so much better you will do so much better one of the key principles in my book which is dear me there's a better way it is self-awareness and if you change The strategies are allowed to change as well. The principles are allowed to bend slightly. You're allowed to change how you do things as you change. You shouldn't feel bad for doing that. You shouldn't beat yourself up for doing that. The only thing that's consistent is change. We're in a constant state of change and self-help has to allow for that. Your journey has to allow for that. What it is, how it looks, You can start somewhere, build on it, change it, take things out that don't work, add things in to try them out to see if they do work. It's a consistent and constant process. So that's what I would say. You've got to be open to the possibilities, open to the opportunities, and be okay to start again every couple of months because things have changed. You've grown. So that's what I would say. They're some of the the main things about that. All right. So I hope that helps. I have, I still have questions by the way. So I've got more than I thought I would get, being brutally honest, but there we are. So next question is how do I handle perfectionism? And how to overcome the initial overwhelmed feelings when starting important projects that has you know multiple levels of tasks and processes i think they both go hand in hand really if you're fixated on everything needing to be perfect it's very hard to handle multiple things at once and if they're important you then become attached to it. You then want it to go really, really well. You then want it to be amazing. You then want it to be perfect, even though it very rarely is going to be perfect. And doesn't matter how amazing you are, you'll sit back and go, I could have done that differently. So it's something that you may never actually get to. You may never actually get to perfect. You may never actually get to amazing. If you let that stop you, if you don't do anything unless it's perfect, you're never going to get there because perfect is afterwards. How you feel about it is after you've actually done it. It doesn't happen beforehand. It happens afterwards. So if you wanted to be perfect, the only way you're going to find out is to do it. The only way you're going to find out is if you put the best in, put your best foot forwards, and then you decide what you thought about it. Could you maybe done it better? Could you have spent a bit more time in a particular area? Also, when you think about it, that is a constant process as well. And as you change, your standards change, your ability grows, you can then do more, you can then do better and you'll look back and go, well, that was awful compared to what it is now. That's something that happens to everybody, but you shouldn't let not being there yet, in inverted commas, stop you from walking the path to stop you from taking those action steps because that will hold you back more than the growth and improvement that comes from taking action. It's very, very, very hard to beat. The improvement in yourself by taking action and not trying to get somewhere before you get somewhere. If you want to be better than you actually are, you don't get there by not doing it. You get there by walking the path and taking the steps like everybody else. Someone's better than you at something, probably because they've been doing it longer than you. They're not actually better just because they're better. Nine times out of ten, they're better because they've been taking the steps longer. And if you walk the path, you will eventually get there as well. So don't let that stop you or dishearten you from actually taking the steps. All right. I hope that makes sense. Next question is how to fit in self love into the above situations right so this person sent those situations with important projects how did you fit in self-love and self-care and balancing that with self-doubt there's nothing there's nothing worse than how you feel about yourself being correlated to how long you spend on self-care because unfortunately it is if you look after yourself, you feel better naturally, how you feel about yourself and your self-esteem will go up. And then that leads to other things that leads to bigger actions being taken, not because you're pushing yourself, but because somewhere down the line, self-carers flick the switch in your brain to make you think that you can do it, make you think that you can believe in yourself more, you can achieve bigger and better things. You've not improved in any way other than you value yourself you look after yourself your self-esteem's improved your perception and perspective has shifted slightly to the point that you actually think you can do it and all you've done realistically is look after yourself better take care of yourself spend a bit of time on yourself that can be enough That can be the lead domino that kicks off everything else. That can be the thing that kicks you into gear, gives you the energy that you need to do higher energy tasks. Because hand on heart, I can do more. I can do bigger tasks. I can spend longer on things when I've got more energy, when I can concentrate better, when I feel like I've got more to give. I find that I've got more to give and the bigger projects don't seem so big because I can match the expectation. I can match the standard. And all I've done is look after myself better. That's literally it. There's nothing else that's changed. And then, obviously, if things require more time, I have to find the time. To be able to do it otherwise those projects can't happen not because i don't deserve them not because i'm not good enough but because i simply don't have the time right now so once you check that box of looking after yourself a lot of the other things fall away you're not worried about it being good enough because deep down you know that you're good enough because you spend time on yourself So you can see how the ripple effect or something happening further downstream helps you with everything else. It's because you look after yourself that all of the big, wonderful, scary tasks don't seem so scary. They don't seem so anxiousness provoking because you feel better in yourself to begin with. There's very little that's scary to you if you're bigger than it. So if you build yourself up, everything feels better. Everything feels within your capabilities. And that's a very, very good feeling. It's a very good feeling to have. And all you've done, is work on yourself work on your self-care something as simple as going out for a walk every morning can be enough to set you up for the day make you feel good and attack your day and all you've done is gone for a walk but the mental and physical feelings that you can get from that can ripple effect out across your entire life So I always, always, always recommend some kind of physical activity for a lot of different benefits. And a walk is enough. Don't think you've got to work out for hours a day because you don't. A walk is enough. And the best thing about walking is if you organize yourself right, if you plan ahead of time, you can multitask so it doesn't even take away from other activities that you would otherwise do with your time. Something that's magical that a lot of people are starting to use are treadmill desks. So it's a desk that's attached to a treadmill and you walk on it while you're doing other things. I know, a little bit wacky, I get it, trust me, I don't have one, Okay, because I've built my life around the gym so I can do that. If work or family time or whatever it is takes up the majority of your time, it's a bigger priority for you. Treadmill desk might be the option. It keeps your body moving, keeps your heart rate up, keeps you sort of energized and focused and you don't have to run. I always recommend walking instead. You can do admin tasks and do all those things while you're on the treadmill desk as well. So it's a nice way of multitasking and fit a lot of things in at the same time. So hopefully that helps.
1: Hi, Mike, it's Deb. I just thought I'd call in and uh, ask a question for you. So the question is, um, what's your take on NFTs and where's the best place to find out more about them?
0: very interesting question that you brought up nfts um i personally think that it's too early to tell if nfts are going to be long term i think it's a bit early doors yet i think people are making the most of it i don't want to say they're taking advantage of it that's the wrong word because there are people out there that have value to give. There are people out there that have a community that are more than happy to invest in them, support them, and get something quite special as well. So there's a massive mutual benefit as far as NFTs are concerned. So it's not about like people scamming you or just trying to take your money. That's not what's happening from what I'm seeing. I have noticed recently every man and his dog has got an NFT um, or they're buying one or let's just could, could literally be the people that I've been rubbing shoulders with. But NFTs are popular. They're growing. I think it's going to be important. But then there are a lot of people that don't even know what cryptocurrency is yet. NFTs are further ahead than cryptocurrency. So you've got to look at, okay, well, if people have heard MFT, which is, I think it's non-fungible token or something is what it stands for. Um, some people don't even know what Bitcoin is yet. And that was one of the first cryptocurrencies that, that really hit the market. So I think if you're in the know, it's interesting watching it. It's interesting seeing what happens I think it's too early to tell personally if it's going to be mainstream or whether they're just going to stick to if you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. That could be the medium term result of it. If you've got one, great. If you sell one, great. If you don't and you've never heard of it, that's also great in a way because it is a bit of a minefield if you have no idea what you're looking at. Do I think... It's possible that it could be mainstream and and everyone sort of uses them and buys them and sells them and it becomes like normal. You know, everything's through blockchain and everything's through cryptocurrency. I think it has the potential to do it. I also think that something needs to happen with cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFTs, the digital Art space being created right now, something somewhere has to make it inclusive to everyone. I think we're at a stage where that may have to happen. Someone's got to create the environment whereby the average Joe can get involved. Because if everyone goes, oh, the only way you can buy a house is through cryptocurrency and people can't even buy one because they've not got enough cash or liquid sort of currency to be able to buy one, they can't buy a house. Despite people that I can connect with through the podcast Offline, like locally to me, I can probably count on one hand, maybe two hands, who owns cryptocurrency. In order for everybody to get involved, everyone has to be able to get involved. And one of the key things to that is cost of entry to me. That's going to be one of the main things people factor in. If the cost of entry is too high, they're going to struggle. And this isn't just about like, people that can sort of create these things, be on the creative side. Things can get very expensive from a customer point of view and a buyer point of view. Imagine trying to buy a Bitcoin now. As of this recording, it's like probably like pushing 50 grand. I think it's going to be a struggle, personally, Deb. And I would not be surprised if it all just, Fell through the floor. I don't want it to. I don't. But it'd be in, it'd be interesting to see if it actually stays afloat. But then, can the can the richest five thousand people on the planet keep it afloat? Maybe. You don't know. I guess we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> so it's just a very confusing and rambling way of saying I've no idea, Deb. Is kind of what I'm getting at.
1: <laughs> yeah i think uh, i asked as well what's the best way to like find out more research it oh, if you've yeah. got any sources
0: i i personally i'm in research mode for nfts and where i'm going for mine is youtube that's the the place i i'm going for mine some of them have walkthroughs some people have like how to create an nft how to buy one how to because underneath nfts you've got cryptocurrency so if you don't know how to buy cryptocurrency don't look into nfts because they'll base off the assumption of you know what cryptocurrency is so step one is understanding what cryptocurrency is step zero is understanding what blockchain technology is and i would experiment with the money that you can afford to lose i would look at buying cryptocurrency and just holding it and seeing what the price does seeing what happens understanding that world first because nfts will be easier like i'm stupid i'm trying to learn them both at the same time so it's confusing I noticed he was smiling there through the cameras. I can do four things at once. He's fine. Well, that's how I I tend to do things is I want to find out what I want to do. And then I want step by step and I just follow it. So I followed it on the YouTube video and I've gone from zero to, okay, I just need the money together to buy some cryptocurrency now. I've done everything else. So I felt quite good. That's how I, I tend to do it. I like having step-by-step, step and I follow it. I'm quite a weird action taker in that if someone's there watching me do it, which is how it feels when they're on video. It feels like they're watching me. I kind of sit there and do it while they're watching me on the video, and it's done, and I've got it. I've got my own Ethereum wallet, and I'm sat there thinking, oh, I can buy the Ethereum when I get the spare money together. So it's an interesting feeling to to go down that road. But That would be my advice i'd be a part of the community first and then go from there and for those that are listening i'll put links to videos that i've checked out i'll probably put some resources like youtube channels and podcasts and things once once the episode goes live so feel free to check the description so you can have a look at some of the, the videos that i'm personally watching podcasts that that i found informative. That's pretty much all of the questions that I have. Those of you that are brand new to the show, feel free to subscribe to a plenty coming to your ears. And if you love the show, feel free to share it on social media and tag myself. And I'm more than happy to share it on social media. And I'd love to hear your feedback as well, whether it's a review on iTunes, or just a random message on Facebook. I love getting those as well. So hopefully you've enjoyed the show and I'll speak to you all again soon.